Hey, thank you for listening to the Garverar Show. Each episode, we provide quality sports discussions from a diverse group of perspectives. Tune in every week to hear us talking about your favorite topics. Welcome to the Garverora Show. I am your host, Yori, and today we are covering this week's matchup against the Dallas Cowboys. We're talking about some NFC North drama and more. But first, let's talk about what happened in Minnesota this past Sunday. Kirk Cousins threw for 333 yards, four touchdowns, and one interception, while Carson Wentz threw for 306 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Now, the Eagles let up 38 defensive points. Garv. Who's to blame for this drastic loss? Well, first off, shameful on the Eagles for this pathetic excuse of a performance they displayed on Sunday. I mean, seriously, shame on the Eagles, shame on Doug Peterson, double shame on Jim Schwartz. I mean, what we saw Sunday was so awful, I really wanted to throw up. I mean, how do you let Kirk Cousins once again throw darts on you like Joe Montana? This guy hasn't had it going once this year with the exception of New York, but they're the Giants, so we know who they are. I mean, you're not, and he did considerably better against you. Kirk Cousins, 333 yards, four touchdowns, 138.4 rating. I mean, that offense was on fire, and that defense couldn't do anything about it. And then the Jake Elliott field goal, I mean, uh, Doug Peterson, once again, and I've had so many problems, but Doug Peterson is really getting on my nerves. Let's go back to that field goal for a second. Do you think that Doug Peterson made that call because he knew that his defense wouldn't come through and win the game, and he needed touchdowns, not field goals, to win that game? Yeah, well... I don't know, but I do know that if that's your mentality, one, it's the Minnesota Vikings, so it's not this team, and I don't know what your opinion is on the Vikings, but we're not here to talk about this, but the Vikings, I don't think, are that great of a football team, even despite the weapons they have on offense, and and defense, you know, for that matter, but if that's your mentality going into that game, that hey, we need to score touchdowns and, you know, no field goals because we can't keep up. Why are you putting your field goal unit to do that? Jake Elliott hasn't thrown a single pass in the NFL, and then all of a sudden, Jake Elliott is going to throw on fourth and four. And by the way, we didn't even talk about the most important part that people are missing here. That fake field goal didn't even have a chance to begin with. Because if the Eagles didn't get a touchdown, they had zero timeouts left. Meaning this play that started at the 21-yard line and had to be a touchdown because if it was completed inbounds, you don't have enough time to spike it. And even if so, Jake Elliott, of all people, would be the one spiking it? I mean, like, do you hear how ludicrous that sounds? I mean... It's just a bad look for Doug Peterson. I really don't understand it. And we have a lot to talk about regarding Doug Peterson and what he said in his, you know, interview with Angelo Cataldi and everything. But 
Slow starts. I mean, the Eagles have trailed by double digits in five of their last six games. I mean, you don't win football games in this league if you're trailing by double digits, especially with that secondary. I mean, it's kind of like the Phillies in baseball, and we saw them. They didn't have the pitching. Once they got really behind, well, they didn't have the batting, so they can't keep up. It's the same thing here for the Eagles. Their offense is fine. Right now, without Deshaun Jackson, it's not where it should be. And then on top of that, your secondary can't do anything to guard these receivers. You know, if it wasn't Stefan Diggs on the billions of times they target him, it was Adam Thielen who was wide open. And, you know, Kyle Rudolph. This isn't the same Kyle Rudolph from five years ago. He's open. And it's like, oh, my God, like, just shoot me now. I really don't understand it because... You know, you don't win football games that way, and that secondary is not going to take you to the Super Bowl, FYI, if they're playing like that. You need to make a move. Uh, We'll get into all of that, but they played terrible, and I am really just beyond frustrated with how this team, you know, came into a road game that they knew they had a good chance of winning, because really, this isn't a great team, and you should have won that game. You still haven't answered the question, who's to blame for this loss? Is it Doug Peterson's play calling? Is it Jim Schwartz's defense? Or is it just bad overall performance by the Eagles players? Well, I would say it's Doug Peterson's play calling. I mean, Jim Schwartz and Doug Peterson both deserve the most amount of blame for this. But Doug Peterson really gave away that game. And the one reason why I'm not attacking Jim Schwartz as critically is because Doug Peterson on offense still has those weapons. I know Jim Schwartz on defense has Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, but look at that secondary. It's absolutely awful. I mean, I don't even know how you manage that defensive situation. Well, obviously, we know there's one way to get out of this, and that's adding a shutdown cornerback. Who will that be? We don't know. Um, We hope you know, it could be someone of the caliber of Jalen Ramsey, right? He's a shutdown corner. The Jaguars seem pretty contempt on keeping him. We'll see how that goes. But they need somebody. Chris Harris Jr. is another guy. And that allows a defense to fully blitz. Doug Peterson doesn't have an excuse. Because even though Deshaun Jackson is out, you have put all your marbles into Deshaun Jackson, essentially without no backup plan. Because when Deshaun Jackson is off the field, it's very evident you're a different football team and right now there's nothing stellar about the Philadelphia Eagles offensively the Philadelphia Eagles offensively is middle of the pact they're not doing you know anything tremendous and Carson wins besides for a few throws one being out on Jeffrey on the sideline he didn't play that stellar either I think one or two good throws in that Vikings game and then nothing else I didn't see anything so who's to blame most Well, I blame Doug Peterson because this is an offense that doesn't have an identity right now. And this team offensively still has weapons. I mean, you have Deshaun Jackson out, right? Well, you still have Zach Ertz in. You still have Alshon Jeffrey in. You still have Jordan Howard in, who in the last three years in Chicago was a great running back, a first and second down running back, who you are not running on first and second down, by the way. And for what reason? I mean, this is the type of game where Carson needs that load off him. And Doug Peterson, in my opinion, is not providing that to Carson. 
The question for me is, can Doug Peterson go back to 2017 and do what he did? And even though the 50-50 chances ended in the Eagles' way in 2017, the fact is Doug Peterson had a lot to do with that team's success because he was smart with play calling. He was gutsy when he needed to be, but when he needed to be, not when he wanted to be. And now in 2019, he has as much to do with the team failures as he did with the team's success in 2017. 2017. Well, let's leave this and transition to what's in store for the future. The Dallas Cowboys lost this weekend to the New York Jets in MetLife Stadium. The Jets were winless before then, and Dallas drops to 3-3. Three three. The Cowboys will now face the Eagles for first place in the NFC East this Sunday night. Here's what Doug Peterson had to say on WIP earlier this week. I know the sky's falling outside. Yes. You know, it, it's, it's falling, and, and I get that, and the fans are, are, are reeling just a little bit. But, but you know, we, we're going down to Dallas, and our guys are going to be ready to play, and we're going to win that football game. And when we do, we're in first place in the NFC East. We control our own destiny. We're right where we need to be. Has it been perfect or beautiful or all of that? No. But all we got to do is try to be 1-0 this week, beat the Dallas Cowboys. We're in first place. And, and listen, they're they're – they're reeling too. I mean, they're struggling too. They've dropped their last three games. So uh, this will be uh, this will be an exciting football game. What's your reaction from Doug Peterson's comments, Garv? Well, my reaction from Doug Peterson's comments is he was probably in the moment. I mean, he was getting interviewed by Angelo Cataldi on their Monday morning segment. They do every show. They talk to the coach and they talk about you know the last game on Sunday and what happened. And Doug Peterson probably got way too into it and said, hey, we're going to win on Sunday and we're going to be in first place in this division. And, you know, to a fault, he's not wrong. You win this Sunday, you're a game and a half ahead Dallas. But here's my problem with it. My problem is that, one, he said this, and, you know, we talk about lighting a fuel for Philadelphia, but this can light a fuel for Dallas, too. I mean, the last thing you need going into this type of game is another reason to do well against the Eagles. I mean, we know the Eagles and Cowboys hate each other. There's no reason to throw fuel on that. The Cowboys haven't been performing well at all. I mean, the Cowboys have had only one opening drive score, and that was week three of the season with a field goal. The Eagles had only two, and that was week three and week five. Week five, a touchdown. Week three, a field goal. So Dallas doesn't start hot. I do not want Doug Peterson to be the reason why Dallas does start hot. He did clarify these comments at 1 p.m. in his press conference saying, you know, he was talking about the confidence of this team and he's not going to go into a game saying that the Eagles are going to lose. But he also didn't clarify that he did say that. He backed away from his comments saying he would never guarantee a win. So I, I think he's all over the place. He said it in the moment, but they better win this game. I mean, if they don't, this is a really bad issue, and we're going to get into it right now. Well, Dallas seems to be getting more banged up as Philadelphia is getting healthier. I mean, this week, Mari Cooper, Byron Jones, Collins, Smith can all be ruled out, while Philly can possibly have the return of Jalen Mills, Ronald Darby, and Deshaun Jackson. Garv, are you on the same confidence level as Doug heading into this Sunday? No, uh, I am not on the same confidence level as Doug, and I don't like guaranteeing wins. 
The Eagles just lost to the Vikings, who had a 5-28 record against winning teams in the past two years. They made Kirk Cousins look like Joe Montana, and they made Stephon Diggs look like Jerry Rice. I'm not buying what he is selling, but I do think it is an advantage to play the Dallas Cowboys because, boy, let me tell you, they don't look good either. I mean, against the New York Jets, the Jets started, the winless Jets, may I mind you, you know, up until that point, they started the game with a 21-3 lead over the Cowboys, and each time the Jets kept scoring, I was like, well, the Cowboys have to come back at some point, right? And every single time they scored, I was like, oh my God, the Cowboys just look worse and worse. They're not going to come back. And then, of course, that comeback effort at the end, and the refs tried everything they could to extend that drive for the Dallas Cowboys. We've seen it time and time again, and this time they tried to win that game for the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas had to convert that two-point conversion, and they missed. And by the way, that play call, I don't understand it. I mean, you know there's going to be an all-out blitz. They're taking advantage of a Mari Cooper being out, but now that leads me into the Eagles Cowboys. I really do believe that this is going to be one of those NFC East classic battles where it's to the last second and we get a winner just basically from that last possession. So what I'm saying here is this game, I can't even predict it. It's like a coin flip right now. I don't know who the Eagles are. I don't know who the Cowboys are. I don't know any of these teams right now. And, you know, Sunday is going to be very telling because you win Sunday, you're a game and a half ahead. And that right there, I mean, we know the next Dallas game is important at home, but that right there to have that type of an advantage in a really bad division, you can really claim your identity in this game in front of a national audience on Sunday night. All right, changing topics. We're getting into division drama, where we analyze the most intriguing division in the National Football League week to week. And this week, we talk about the NFC North. We just saw the Packers and Lions battle it out on Monday Night Football, and we saw the Vikings beat up the Eagles, and we already know how good Chicago's defense is. And my question is, Garv, is this the most entertaining division in the National Football League? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, this division is so great. I mean, let's look at the teams right now. The Packers and the Lions just played yesterday, as you said. Now, the refs in that game, and you hear any show, and they're going to be talking about this. The refs in that game were completely awful. I mean, those two flags that were hands to the face were not. They were on the shoulder pads. In my opinion, I couldn't see anything there. So, extending that drive for Aaron Rodgers was just a huge killer when you're up two possessions. But Detroit is playing like a team who deserves to be in the playoffs and who deserves to be a contender in the NFC. Rough start, you know, you lose to the Chiefs, uh, you tie a game, you lose another one in Green Bay, but you play those teams so tough and that Matt Patricia philosophy, when you bring in that Bill Belichick uh, type system that you learned and you have that mentality in Detroit now that's a very good football team uh, I'll tell you what that's a very good football team and they could come back to win the north or they could be a strong wild card and then also the Vikings just beat up on the Eagles and so we see they have stolen gas in the tank and the Bears even though they lost to Oakland 
they have a great defense and whoever's quarterback there you know as long as they can get something rolling on offense that defense is always going to keep them in every game and do you have any prediction as to who's going to take this division yeah i'm picking the packers uh the packers are already off to a great start and you know there are some things that they still need to improve on offensively some things defensively but collectively you know as three units offense defense and special teams i think they have the best fit for the head coach i think aaron Rodgers finally has a defense that he can somewhat rely on more and i think just their start i mean this game we talk about big divisional games like this week the eagles and cowboys that was huge for the nfc north that was their divisional game this week so that game was huge in determining you know who's going to be in the early lead and i think because of that start the packers are going to stay in the lead let's take this somewhere else What are your top five teams in the NFL? Go. Well, my five top teams in the NFL will start with number five. The team we just talked about, the Green Bay Packers. They're playing very well right now. They're fifth on my chart. Fourth is a team that just beat the Cleveland Browns, the Seattle Seahawks. They're playing very well right now. Russell Wilson is really playing like the game changer that he is, how he can get out of the pocket, be elusive the way he is, and still have that accuracy on the run. It's awesome. Saints at number three. The Saints could beat number two or one. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to that on anybody's charts. The Saints have Teddy Bridgewater in, and they're deep they're really deep i mean in terms of deep on on the depth chart i would say they're like the 2017 eagles so you know in terms of a backup quarterback coming in there and staying undefeated that's huge and the 49ers speaking of undefeated is number two for me jimmy garoppolo and that team is doing very well and richard sherman is starting to talk a lot so you know they must be playing well and then number one for me is the new england patriots yes boo um but the patriots have had the easiest schedule but also the patriots on top of that have led the league in terms of defense defensive turnovers they're generating so much for tom brady where it doesn't even matter if tom brady and that offense is performing that defense is going to win you those games now as you know previous to other years like the eagle super bowl oh had to drop that in i'm sorry uh and some people may be asking why aren't the chiefs in why aren't the texans in well, I mean, you know, the Chiefs just lost this week, and uh, I don't really see right now Patrick Mahomes playing like the Patrick Mahomes that we know him as. Uh, we saw him get injured recently on Sunday night. You know, Mahomes can't keep it up forever, and Mahomes, I do think Mahomes is going to be the best quarterback in the league's history, but, you know, right now the Chiefs are not in the top five. Top five teams after this week, you know, Chiefs aren't in it. And Texans, yeah, all right, the Texans just won, but, you know, I need to see that consistency. Deshaun Watson, some games he's performing really hot, and then some games are like, you're Deshaun Watson, man, make something happen. So, you know, I want to see a bit more consistency from them, but right now those are my top five teams. All right, as promised, we give you the awards of the week. Every week we give our personal awards to people who never fail to disappoint. The first award is called Comeback of the Week, and it goes to the officials in the game against the Detroit Lions. Two terrible calls might have cost the Lions first place in the division. Yeah, well, that's a good one. I mean, the one I'm going to give for my first award is Troll of the Week. 
And troll of the week goes to Skip Bayless because Skip Bayless said right after that game that he loves his team and Dak Prescott put up a phenomenal performance in terms of a comeback effort. And you know what? Uh, you're just a troll, man. Just get out of here. <laughs> the third award is called MVP Performance of the Week. And this goes to Jameis Winston. I know what you're thinking, but this man had 400 yards, one touchdown, five interceptions, seven sacks, and two fumbles. And to top it all off, a QBR of 46.8. Yeah, famous Jameis, right? I mean, you know, when he's not stealing crab legs, he's putting up really bad games. And my loser of the week, the last award for our show today goes to Jerry Jones for losing to the worst team in the NFL on his birthday of all days. Yori, his check must have bounced. I mean, I can't think of another reason why he couldn't come back in that game. But, you know, that's it for today. Thank you for tuning in. This was the Garvaror Show. We'll be back soon this week where we're going to be talking about the Panthers and rather or not Cam Newton should be back in as quarterback if hypothetically he were to say he's 100% healthy right now and we'll be diving into a lot more. So tune in this week. We have more content to give you and thanks for listening. So as always, this is Garvin Yori signing out. Thanks for listening. Peace.